0: Welcome to Secure the Bag, a podcast where we talk personal finance, investing, and bettering yourself. Every Tuesday and Thursday, I'm joined by amazing guests from all walks of life who share their in-depth personal stories. I hope these stories make these topics more approachable, teaches you frameworks on how to get started, and gives you a sneak peek into future trends. hey everybody. welcome to yet another episode of Secure the Bag, the podcast whose mission is to demystify all things finance and investing related through our amazing guest stories. Today I have Josh Whiting on. Josh is a great, amazing friend of mine. Um, we, we go way back in New York City. He's from there. I, I moved there 15 years ago and we hit it off pretty quickly. so Josh,
1: thanks so much for for coming on to the show. Parthic, uh, thanks so much for having me. Very excited to be here.
0: Um, I'm trying to think of where we first I think I know you went to China, so your story is pretty amazing. We'll get into it, but I know you moved to, you moved to China for a couple of years and I think I think we connected after you got back if memory serves me correctly. And I know we're, we're old now, so the memories are a <laughs> bit fuzzy.
1: Yeah, I, I lived in China from 2008, right yeah, right before the crash got back in 2010 and we met through some mutual friends if not my first year certainly my my second year back and just kind of been in touch and hung out almost weekly yeah yeah
0: there, there was a time where we see each other a week later. i i i know you've been to some of my quote-unquote legendary legendary house parties in new york yes <laughs> um, but uh, so you know you grew up in new york Tell, like, what, was there anything in your childhood, you know, growing up, um, you know, that you experienced that kind of shaped the way that you thought about money?
1: Uh, I will say, yes, just, I, I grew up, I grew up in the Bronx. Yeah. Uh, I'm born and raised in the Bronx. Uh, however, my parents, my parents sent me to private. Catholic schools growing up from kindergarten all through high school. Uh, But from what I've learned from them at the time, it wasn't anything profound about money. Uh, Unfortunately, it was just you go to school, get your education, get a four-year college degree, work for the rest of your life, find a job and save 10 to 20% of your money. I remember those percentages specifically. And it, it sounded logical to me until I started hanging with people, I'd say, a little bit after college that were doing particularly well for someone around our age. And that's when my mindset about money started to shift. So let's call it about, frankly, not till about 30 Uh, My mindset started to shift a little bit and um, I knew what I was taught growing up wasn't exactly an ideal way to build long-term wealth.
0: And what changed or what did you learn from the friends around you that maybe were doing a bit better than you financially?
1: What they were doing with their money, uh, particularly with investing um, between real estate, stocks, uh, bonds. Uh, That may have been a more popular investment at the time, investing in companies, uh, things of that nature, Uh, becoming part owners in whatever venture. It could be a bar, restaurant, things like that. And um, around that time, I just started reading uh, more books um, about financial education. I mean, I started with probably should not have started with an options book, Uh, read some Gary Vee read about Elon Musk um, early on uh, a bunch of people and just started following blogs here and there about just finances and educating myself. And um, I'd say I, I kind of I taught myself, but I, I, I did teach myself a lot of the, the basic financial knowledge that I have.
0: I think that's a great... It's a great, I think, lesson, people have talked about this, but, you know, there's that old saying, right, that, like, you are the product of, like, the people, the five people you hang them like, spend the most time around, and I think with finances, I kind of come from a similar boat in that, like, my parents are first-generation immigrants. I was taught a similar mindset. Um, You think you have it all figured out. I had a, you know, uh, I wouldn't say it was, like, anything super lucrative, but it was also, like, a nice, cushy job. I was working at Goldman Sachs. I know when we met like back in like uh, when I was like, you know, my late 20s and I felt like I was good and comfortable. And then you meet different people and you're like, oh, there's this whole other world out there. People are doing crazy things. And it doesn't have to even be about like, oh, they're they're worth more than me. They're just doing different things. They're doing different things and investing. They're doing different things with their time. That's kind of how I personally got started into startups as well. And so I think um, one key takeaway, I think, for listeners and for really everybody is, you know don't be afraid to to push your boundaries it's it's going to feel weird at first and you might even feel shitty about it you're like oh that person is my the same age or even younger than me and they they've done they're doing so much better but i think in the long run um it's going to help shape you to be like that's possible i could do it too and kind of go for you to go figure that out it's better to have that realization now than to have it you know when you're when you're old
1: yeah and I, i'm so glad you brought that up because i am seriously the poster child for, uh, the five people I spend my time, uh, I spend, uh, I'm the product of, like, uh, surrounding myself with folks who are doing better than me. And so, you know, I look at the five closest people and they're all absolutely crushing their careers respectively, uh, and financially, um, on the, on the side to make, uh, to make, money for themselves, their family, and look, life, it's not about, it's not all about money. However, what that does is buy you freedom to do uh, what you want. And it does make life a little bit easier. You know, hundred percent.
0: And so like, maybe a good segue, we talked, we talked a little bit about career. Um, I know uh, just, you know, obviously knowing you well, you know, uh, a big turning point in your life was you know through 2018 and 2019 um 2018 and 2019 rather you've talked about you know uh losing your job i think twice in the calendar year and how that's kind of how going through that experience has shaped you in doing some of the amazing things you're you're doing now so uh tell us a little bit about that experience and kind of what you learned
1: wow so in Summer of twenty eighteen, I was working for a company in uh, Greenwich, Connecticut. Yeah, I I lost my job. I I kind of saw it coming, but you know, in hindsight or in retrospect, it absolutely was the best thing to happen to me because, to be perfectly honest, I wasn't excited about the 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 product anymore. so I used my I, I used my ability to connect with people via networking events and things of that nature. Um, and I found what was my uh, new role in 20, uh, March of 2019, where I got hired um, for a company out in Portland. You know, great product, I thought. Uh, but then five months later, it happened again. They, it was This was a startup company, 80 people but they were spending too much money and cut the company in half, essentially. About 35 of us lost our jobs. So uh, I didn't feel that it was my fault in that regard, but here I am a calendar year later saying, dang, what something's got to give. But the turning point was losing my job the second time. Uh, What happened after that was I just started grinding it out you know, doing my thing, sending out hundreds of of applications and cover letters, things like that. Um, Some people can relate. Uh, I started interviewing for a company in Seattle. Uh, It was a toss up because I lived in New York and the role was physically based in Seattle. So because it was a toss up, I reached out and said, hey, listen, if I got myself out there to Seattle, will you grant me this final interview? They said yes, so I got. I bought a one-way ticket because I wanted to be there when they made the decision. Prepared for the presentation, it was a the final interview was a PowerPoint, uh, you know, pitching their product. Uh, it didn't work out, which uh, was unfortunate because I thought I had it in the bag. Uh, <laughs> no pun intended, but uh, a good friend of mine had a, a, an extra bedroom and said, "Hey, why don't you just stay here a little while?" Uh, connect with folks out here maybe you'll find better luck because it is a smaller city in Seattle of a million and a half people versus uh, eight plus in New York City so I hustled and um, I recently took a Gallup poll, uh, strength finder and found that adaptability is my strong suit I can go somewhere unplanned and adapt to any situation so uh, going back to the the hustle, uh, my friend's sister-in-law uh, told me about uh, an event that uh, SAP Concur was, was, was having uh, down the street from where I was staying. And I attended. I connected with uh, this person that I was supposed to connect with. and a week later, I'm on the phone having informal interviews. Uh, two days after that, I'm having coffee with one of the directors. And before I knew before I knew it, I'm in the office interviewing and to go back real quick, I flew out to Seattle the week of September 16th, 2019. I didn't go back to New York until Thanksgiving week, which was end of November. And the only reason I went back was because it was Thanksgiving. So here I am interviewing and I'm in Seattle and uh, it, it just worked. It all worked out in the end. And today I don't even think about that $400 I spent on the flight because I bet on myself I made it happen yeah I may have had a a, a connection uh, you know I was two degrees of separation but I still had to prepare for the interviews I still had to uh, nail the interviews so at the end of the day yeah it it was a lot of work on my end and um, now I'm (laughs) <laughs> I, I, I can't complain. I'm getting recognition from, from the top and leadership and it just feels pretty good.
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm, uh, that's such an amazing story. Um, obviously as a good friend of yours, I'm so, so happy for you, for people, um, that can't see Josh right now, which is most of you since, um, we don't have an official YouTube channel for this podcast, his view and the background looks pretty swanky. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you're doing well. Um, and, and so kind of, you know, I, you know, from that experience, as you think about, um, you know, career and things like that, are, were there any learnings like, you know, for some of your previous jobs, especially the one, your first one, where you kind of knew your heart wasn't into it and you weren't learning a lot. Like if you had to go back in time, what would you do differently, if anything?
1: You know, I, I would actually not do anything differently. And the interesting thing about that uh, about that job in Connecticut was, um, the guy who started the company, the owner, he had a bunch of side businesses and, uh, I did have a little bit of taste on what it took to build wealth. Um, and it was, uh, real estate, buying a piece of businesses and buying pieces of businesses and, you know, just collecting checks every month. So got a little bit of taste of that, um, you know, nine to five slash entrepreneur life. But no, I, w- I wouldn't do anything differently, mainly because I may not be here today had it not been for that experience. And it really was uh, a blessing in disguise. And, you know, some people might be in this situation and look, it wasn't a fun couple years for me. It really wasn't. And even though we may have hung out it's not something I showed visibly. Um, that was my, one of the ways I was coping. Um, so now I'm just happy. I couldn't be happier. It, it worked out, I'm at a great company and um, I'm just doing what I need to do. Yeah, I mean, you know, everything happens for a
0: reason. So um, uh, I think it's, it's uh, you know, it, it, it kind of goes back. To, I think when, when things happen, I think it's, you know, th- the, the way that I've learned to look at the world is this kind of positive um, opportunity is abundant uh, mindset, which has been hard. I think maybe similar to you when you kind of come from not a lot or come from an immigrant family, it's very much like a zero mindset. Like you have to go grab that boat on the, on the, on the life raft, because there's only 10 of them. And if you don't uh-huh. get it, you're screwed. And I think as I've learned, I was like, Hey, there's actually like, the world is your oyster. Um, you can, you can make really anything happen and it's just kind of about finding the right opportunity for you not just like feeling you have to be stressed about it. I think that mindset shift sounds like something that you went through too. Um, is really powerful to kind of navigate life.
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely and to go back real quick, you know, look, growing up in the Bronx it's got it's got a, a stigma to it. And there is some truth to that. Um, and the takeaway there is to really really branch out that's the only way you would grow um don't hang out with and this is by no means a slight to anyone that i know and and whatnot but definitely just 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 branch out hang with different people hang with um just try to connect with different people whether it's a happy hour a networking event learn their story Uh, And you'd find, and I found by, you know, living in China, living, living here, um, I'm constantly, constantly challenging myself to be better, just to really, uh, really, um, expand my wealth of knowledge about, you know, whatever, uh, and to really open my mind. So that was a huge, that was absolutely, uh, huge for me personally. Yeah
0: and i think you know as it's a kind of a good uh parallel i know um one of the things that i was always super impressed that you did was i guess amateur bodybuilding maybe maybe you're not no longer professional but i know you were just grinding at that and obviously the results are again people can't see you but the results are apparent <laughs> um but yeah i you know it would be fun to kind of share what what even like you know, got you into that space, because it's obviously something you have to put a lot of commitment into. And what was your biggest learning from going through that experience, which I know you did for many months, if not over a year or two?
1: Yeah, I did it for like two years. I competed in like seven or eight shows over a two year period. And it was it was fun. Man. And to answer your question, what got me into it was being bored at the gym. I'm someone who gets bored easily. And the, just going to the gym every day, working one or two body parts, I got bored. So I went to a buddy of mine who is a, uh, a trainer uh, in New York City, uh, I think, in my opinion, one of the best trainers on in, in the East Coast. And I said, hey, listen, and this is what it does for a living. I said, look, I'm bored, I'm thinking about competing, what do I need to do? He kind of gave me a, a sample of what it would entail And before I overthought it, I said, "I'm in." You know, what's it cost? Done. Let's do it. And um, the biggest lesson there is it taught me. uh, It taught me two things. Uh, It taught me to be more more disciplined, for sure. Um, You know, it's it's the body is really a science, or this whole process is a science. What you're eating, what you're drinking. What you're not eating, and just seeing those results. Um, it was like the action, the results, which made me even more motivated to just continue going hard in the gym. Um, and then the second lesson is it's a mindset, like your body's going to go where your mind takes it. So I was able to like kind of push through those mental barriers and really uh, get myself into like peak shape. And I've Huck, I've I've come in locally I've come in the first second place um I've won an overall locally but when it came to the national stage uh didn't do uh quite as well but regardless I'm still getting myself into you know, the best shape of my life when I'm on um that preparation so uh fun a lot of fun
0: yeah no for sure that that's that's amazing um kind of circling back to finance a little bit. Um, is there a specific, you know, I I know you've dabbled in a bunch of different investments. Is there a specific asset or asset class that you personally feel the most bullish on over the next five years or so?
1: Ooh, uh, yes. And though, though I don't own any, and I would absolutely love to, I think real estate is what I'm most bullish on, and the why is because people are always going to need a place to live. So I'm I'm most bullish on 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 real estate. Again, I don't own any, but I I, I would love to. Right,
0: and I think you know I know we talked pre-recording. Um, you know I think investing in some of these macro themes is really interesting. I, I know Jeff Bezos. You know I used to work at Amazon. For most of my listeners, probably know that he always talks about uh, investing. He looks at what's gonna change the most in 10 years and what's gonna stay the same. And you know, I think real estate is a great example of things that are very likely gonna stay the same. People are gonna continue to need a place to live or you know, to vacation or to travel and all of that stuff. From, a place to kind of, from, a, from an area to change, I know you're pretty uh, interested in like renewable slash electric vehicles as well. Um, what about that space, you know, gives you interest or passion? And is there a particular like way that you kind of get that you, you invest against that?
1: Man, so I will tell you to be perfectly transparent, I am super long on one company specifically out of China, and it's Neo. Some people may have heard about it, some people may not have, but if you did hear about it or know of it. You know, it's been on a a roller coaster ride this last these last 12 months, just like Tesla did 10 years ago. Um, And I missed the boat on Tesla when it was at 100 bucks back in 2012, 2013. So I I, I think the China's got the market uh, and you could see Tesla's numbers are kind of sliding a little bit in in China. NEOs are picking up. uh, NEOs hitting there. Uh, monthly delivery numbers and I don't want to get too much into the weeds, but I'm long Neo uh, and, and, the, and this company, uh, I think they're going to do amazing things. They're going to be, a, I'm not saying they're replacing Tesla, but um, I think they will do incredibly well in the next five to 10 years, particularly with the world kind of adapting that uh model of uh, getting rid of or phasing out uh phasing out uh can't think gas vehicles in the next 10 years
0: got and for neo do you think they have technology that's better than tesla or is it that geographically they're in a huge huge market that is really hard been historically hard to penetrate or a mix of both
1: yeah, I think it's more the latter. The technology, I don't think, can uh, is touching Tesla yet. But Neo certainly has the the market in China um, right now. I don't know what's going to happen, and I'm by no means a professional in that area. This is just from my own little uh, research and and whatnot. So. Uh, I'm super long the I've been buying it since it was at $14 a year ago.
0: Nice. And I think, I, I know it's like
1: at least in the 40s or
0: 50s now, so it um, mm-hmm. feels like a good investment so far. And I think that's also a great, you know, thing to kind of touch upon is, you know, um, the fact that you're looking at this, you know, you even mentioned it. you're looking at this explicitly as a 5 or 10-year, if not longer, time horizon investment, similar to like, if you had bought tesla in 2012 it would have been easy to sell a year or two later and maybe even a great gain but you would have foregone the the run-up that happened over the past two years primarily so it looks like with neo this is going to be something that you're looking to to hold potentially even accumulate into over the next several years right
1: yeah hope so yeah
0: <laughs> nice um this has been great i'd like to end on this question i'm trying something a little bit new um So the question that I'm trying now is um, what's the favorite piece of investment advice that you've gotten and who's given it to you?
1: The best piece of investment advice I've gotten was don't worry about how much you have to invest, just get in the game. And I, I learned that later than I would have liked to. but. Just, just get in the game and add to your portfolio um, whenever you can. Uh, a good friend of mine actually he lives here in Seattle. He gave me that advice. Uh, he's one of my best friends. I, I met in China actually uh, when I lived there. but uh, yeah that's proven to be invaluable because a lot of us overthink like, oh, I don't have you know five, 10, 20 grand to throw in the market. That's okay. Just just get in and, and add to it. Uh, methodically, and you'll see your wealth uh, accumulate over time. That's great. Great advice and a great
0: place to end. Josh, thanks so much for for being here. Um, I know um, uh, you're planning to come back to New York later this year, so super excited to hang and relive some of our glory days.
1: Absolutely, man. Thank you so much. This was a blast. I look forward to seeing you soon.
0: All right. Thanks, brother.
1: Bye.